Hi, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of My Words, Our Journey, What If. My name is Monty, and today we begin with Chapter 20. Struggling to keep from falling into deep depression, that is how Mary was spending her time. There had been no contact with another human for days. Reading was one of her passions. Under these circumstances, it was just not the same. Mary smiled for a split second as she thought about her favorite chair at home. Sitting with her feet up next to the fireplace, blanket draped across one corner, reading glasses, and a coaster of her water on the end table. Picturing scenes from her home and family was all she had to hold on to. With each passing hour, Mary fought harder and harder to be strong. What could possibly be going on in the real world that would have her locked up in here? And more importantly, how were her kids? How were her grandkids? How was Ben? Keeping her strong was her faith in God, her love for her family, and her strong belief, whomever had done this, would soon realize their mistake. In today's fast-paced world, most would agree there was never enough hours in the day. Mary, unfortunately, had learned one day could seem like a week. As long as she could remember, she had been a doer, as her dad would say. As a child, it was straightening up her only small room that she shared with her sisters. In college, her best friends would take two and three classes a semester. Mary would always take at least five while holding down a part-time job. And in the working world, no one can match her desire and not stop energy. Ben had been good for her. Over the years, he had convinced her to take a little time to herself. He had showed her how to enjoy the moment and how to not worry about what was going on or what needed to be done next. Ben could take time just sitting at the kitchen table, drinking a cup of coffee, and turn it into the most relaxing and enjoyable experience of the day. He had a gift, the gift of not worrying. Mary's prized flower beds, her collection of old books, and her love for long walks could only be attributed to her wonderful husband. On a brisk fall day, nearly 47 years earlier, it all began for Mary and Ben. Mary had been running late for work, which was unusual for her. On most days, she would find small chores to accomplish before leaving her one-bedroom studio apartment. For such a small place, she was always cleaning something. On the morning, she would meet her future husband. Nothing was going to go as planned. Mary had promised to pick up the birthday cake for her co-worker's party. She knew she didn't have enough gas to make it to work. She was having a bad hair day, and her dog was scratching at the door. All her pre-planning the night before was for naught. Mary found herself heading down to the trail that all the local residents used to reach the lake. Maddie, her three-year-old golden retriever, had decided to pick this morning to run out the door without her leash or her master. Months later, Mary would tell a friend that was the first and last time she had a problem with Maddie running away. It must have been fate. Fate, because on this morning, Maddie went out for an unexpected morning run. Ben had positioned himself just off the trail at his favorite picnic table. He had brought his one-year-old chocolate lab out to let him get some exercise while Ben finished some office work that he had been doing from home, better part of the morning. He had hoped to change the scenery, would improve his mood, and help him get through his unwanted task. There were many parts of his job he enjoyed. Quarterly employee evaluations were not anywhere on the list. While on a roll and feeling for the first time he may get through this task, Ben heard Josh his lab, barking and coming at his feet fast. He was not alone. It appeared he had made a friend with a rather frisky golden retriever. 
the two of them ran straight past him, sitting on the bench, and headed off into the wood area to the west. Ben was not concerned. He had learned over time. Josh always came back, though usually not with a new companion, but nonetheless, he never doubted he'd come back. He went back to his job at hand. It did not take long before he was interrupted again, this time by the sound of someone yelling off in the distance. He could not make out what the person was saying, but it sounded like they were calling for someone or something. Looking for any excuse, Ben started moving towards the noise. He felt pretty confident that person was looking for what Josh had already found. It did not take long before he caught up with the woman. He would years later tell his friends and family that appeared to be having the worst day of her life. Fate had brought them to the same exact place that day. Their dogs would bring them together two weeks later on the same trail on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. From that day forward, neither Ben nor Mary ever doubted they were meant to be. Ben often could be overheard telling his friends to look up true love or love at first sight in the dictionary. You'll find the two of us on each page. She prayed that her family was holding up okay. Her faith in the Lord and the love for her family is what had gotten her through to this point. She needed to be strong, to think of the good times. She had the same dream just before every night, and it always ended the same. Mary was running down her street. She could see her children, her grandchildren, and leading the pack, her Ben. To her, it felt like she was running at the speed of an athlete. The only problem was she never closed the gap to her family. Waking up without reaching her family had startled her the first time. Now it was haunting her. Could it mean she would never see her family again? Never get close? No, she would not let that let herself believe it. She hung on to those hopes each and every moment. Chapter 21 Mitch was fighting the urge to run into the other room with no clothes on and still wet. But not wanting to spoil the mood his wife was trying to set was more important, and he would just have to wait. Waiting was not one of his strong suits. After a nice hot shower, he was ready to have a nice dinner with Bridget and... Shoot, Mitch had totally forgot about Aaron. He should be heading back right now. But there was no way he was, that was going to happen. Dealing with Aaron later was his only option. Nothing was going to ruin the next few hours. That was great. Mitch never had a chance to finish his sentence. At the same time he was opening the door to the bathroom, Mitch felt himself being pushed back in. There were at least three large men pushing their way into the tiny room Mitch had just shortly left. There was shouting and pushing, but he had no idea what anyone was saying. His mind was spinning. How did he let this happen? He should have considered that we might have followed Bridget. Bridget, how would she handle this? Where was she? Had she let him in? Had they let her leave? No way. Mitch was being pulled into the main room. There must have been a dozen men waiting for him there. One wrong move and he could sense the anger. Where's my wife? Mitch tried to shout over the noise. No answer. Only more shouting and pushing. Where is my wife? Mitch had surprised himself at his loud. He was able to shout. It had worked. The room became quiet. A tall, thin man in a cheap brown suit had moved in close. Mitch could smell the onions that the man had had for dinner. Mr. Lipton, your wife has asked to be taken away from here. She appears to be emotionally drained and confused. I'll never know why guys like you screw up a good woman like that over money and greed. My name is Tom Blanken, and we'll talk more downtown. Take him away, boys, and don't forget to read him his rights, Tom reminded his officers. Mitch was being pushed towards the door, still confused when he heard Tom speak to him from behind. 
Save me a little time, Mitch. Will we find the bodies in the house or on the grounds? Mitch heard him say. I don't have a clue what you're talking about, Mitch replied, trying to sound a little tougher than he really felt. Mitch, your wife stated you confessed to the robbery and the murder of three individuals. One we know was Mr. Reynolds, a gentleman who you may care to know was supportively working to support his daughter's special need child, a man who left behind a wife, daughter, and five grandchildren. One second thought, don't talk to me. Don't answer my questions. I don't want to talk to you right now. You're scum. And when we find the other two bodies, you'll fry. A thin smile crossed his face. There's not a jury to be found that would not put you to death for your sins. There was a fog surrounding Mitch. Did the detective say his wife said he confessed? Three people dead. The death penalty. Someone was still talking. Mitch knew that his life might rely on him listening, but he just couldn't focus. The love of his life. What had she done? And why? Need to focus. Have to understand what is going on. Chapter 22 Something was about to change. Mary could feel it. She was not sure how long she had been in captivity. With no way of knowing what time of the day it was, she had lost all account of time and had spent many hours of restless sleep. For the first time, she could hear someone opening the door to her room. Mary knew there was a chance this was not a good thing but she was desperate for anything to happen at this point. The woman that entered the room was not what Mary expected. She had spent much time trying to consider who her captors were. In her mind, they were two slightly overweight men in their mid-forties, scruffy, disheveled. Instead, the woman standing before her was thirty-ish, well-dressed, and smiling a wide, sweet smile. Thank goodness you're here to save me, was all Mary could say as she collapsed in the woman's arms. Mary never saw the two men enter the room after the young woman. Drake and Derek slipped in behind Bridget, just in time to see Mary fall into her arms. It had been several weeks, and to each of them, Mary looked thinner, though she had managed to keep herself together and look presentable each and every day. As the van pulled up to the back door, Bridget asked no one in particular. Without answering, Derek grabbed Mary and lifted her over his right shoulder. If asked, he would have guessed she weighed less than 90 pounds. The room had been kept in extraordinarily nice order. Everything was in its place, down to the magazines being flared out across the coffee table. Instead of having spent two hours cleaning and discarding any traces of Mary's visit, the task took less than 45 minutes. That included a complete wiping down of everything in the room, top to bottom, and filling four trash bags with anything that wasn't nailed down. They would dispose of the bags, dropping them off, in a, the most popular hotel's dumpsters on the way to their next destination. Put the trash in the back of my car. I'll take care of it and meet you there later. Just park in the back once you've taken care of everything. I'll be there in about three hours. Just hang tight, Bridget said as she leaned into Drake and gave him a quick kiss on the lips. Derek made sure to look away. It was one of the few things that made him uncomfortable. When this is all over, will we be taking her with us? Drake felt pretty confident and his less-than-brilliant brother knowing the answer to that question. It had been a day back in the spring, for the pair just another day at the office. They had been wasting time at Shannon's Bar and Grill. The two had at least three beers each, and were arguing about who was going to drive home that day. That is when a tall, slender, and attractive woman entered the bar and attracted the attention of each and every male in the place. Drake and Derek decided they, they'd stay for at least one more round, 
worry about who was driving later. They could tell by watching her that the food she was picking at was not why she was there. Drake watched closely as she sat at the end of the bar and worked on a small pocket computer and occasionally took a sip of her tea. He was sure she knew that many of the men had not taken their eyes off her since she had walked in the place. What attracted him more than her legs was her poise. It took a special woman to sit at the end of this bar and continue on like nothing was going on around her. Wish me luck, Derek could not believe his ears as he watched his brother stand and start to walk towards the bar. Had he lost his mind? There's nothing I can say to you that you haven't heard before. So I'm just going to ask, can I buy you a real drink? Drake asked, not sure if he sounded as confident as he felt. I'm married, was the only response given without as much as a look up from her task. Well, thank God I didn't use my other line then. Drake came back as he turned to walk away. What line was that? The woman asked with, asked with curiosity, still not looking up. Drake stopped, turned around, walked back over, moved close to her ear, and whispered, Will you marry me? Bridget had no idea as she watched this half-drunk man walk back to his companion, the turn her life was about to take. She could have taken her food and walked out the door, never seeing this man again. She would then have gone home that evening to tell her husband this funny story. Instead, she took her food, walked to the door, stopped, turned, walked back, laid her card on the corner of the table, and walked out. She never mentioned the incident to her husband. Chapter 23 The next several hours were a blur. Mitch was taken into a small room and then moved to even a smaller room. No one was saying much in front of him. He could see pockets of men standing around outside wherever he was. There had been several occasions we'd even placed in a room and left alone for what seemed like hours. What could they be waiting for? Mitch was ready to speak to someone. Now! He did not need a lawyer or advice. Mitch knew he needed to explain his side of the story, as crazy as it might sound. If the police thought they had their man, they would not be looking for the killer or killers. Thinking about the events of the past few hours was enough to give Mitch a splitting headache. He had not been able to piece everything together, and it appeared he was not going to have to. There seemed to be heightened activity outside the door. Three men entered the room together. With Mitch and his visitors, the room was cramped. Before he could speak, one of them spoke out. Mitch, we would advise you to use your one phone call to call an attorney. Once they're here, we'll formally charge you and start procedures. The tall man paused ever so slightly and continued. I personally would advise you to cooperate fully. Things cannot get much worse for you, but we may be able to talk to the judge if you cooperate. Mitch took this opportunity to speak for the first time. Once he started, he was not able to stop. He laid out everything from the initial plan to the last meeting with Bridget, ending it with a, Guys, I swear to you, I've not been able to piece any of this together, and I know it sounds crazy. I need to know where my wife is, and if you can pick Aaron up. He could see the men were taken aback by the last part of his question. He would later find out why. The man Mitch assumed to be the higher ranking spoke again as the other two headed towards the door. Mitch, as I said, someone will come to help you with your phone call. Please consider what I said about cooperating. With that, they were gone. He didn't have a chance to restate his position. Obviously, it sounded as crazy to them as it did to Mitch. 
The one phone call had not gone smoothly either. Mitch and Bridget, Bridget had used a local attorney for different things over the years, and Mitch had found his card stuffed behind the valuable card from the local grocery store that he'd never really even used. The call had resulted in Mitch leaving a message with a secretary. He would just have to wait, more waiting and more thinking about the string of unexplainable circumstances. What if no one believed him or Aaron? Luke Stills had obviously not been expecting to make a visit to the police station today. He entered the room looking nervous and confused. The few times Aaron had visited Luke's office, he was always dressed well and looked more than confident. The person standing before him did not encourage Mitch at all. Hey Mitch, how you holding up? Luke asked after sitting down across from his client. Sorry it took me so long to get here. I had taken the afternoon off and it took Amy a while to track me down. Thank you for coming. I really need someone to talk to. Mitch tried to seem positive. We don't have much time before they come in. I've been brought up to speed by the local district attorney. We play golf every once in a while. Mitch could tell Luke was nervous. I told them everything and they don't believe me. They won't tell me where Bridget is, and they won't tell me what they've done with Aaron. Mitch, have they told you what they're charging you with? They were waiting on you. They just told me to cooperate. Mitch, I can't be your legal counsel. This is way over my head. They're charging you with three counts of first-degree murder, bank robbery, and a long list of lesser charges. The DA says it's a slam dunk. A slam dunk, Mitch. I want to help you any way I can, but this is out of my league. They're going for the death penalty. Luke was done and waiting for a response from Mitch. Finally. What? What? Before Luke could answer, the door opened. In walked the three men from earlier, along with a woman that Mitch thought must be some kind of a recorder. The same man as before spoke first. Mitch, this conversation will be recorded for your safety as well as ours. A nod of the head told the young lady to begin taping. Mitch, you've been informed of your rights and understand them. You are represented by legal counsel? Mitch looked over at Luke, who had lowered his head, and responded, Yes. With that, Mitch was informed of what the FBI and the police had been doing since his capture. Mitch and Luke listened to every word. After Bridget had told the police of Mitch's confession, she had told him where to find the bodies of Aaron and Mary. She had also told them where his car was being kept. The information had been correct and the crime scenes were being processed. The state was going to seek the death penalty. When the man was finished, he asked one last question that rocked Mitch's world even further. Mitch, are there any other bodies we need to know about? Mitch was floored. They thought he was a mass murderer. There was no way he could have prepared himself for this. Luke had been right. They were both way in over their heads. Mitch could not answer. He could only shake his head and begin to cry. His world was over. Bridget's betrayal. Aaron's murder. And somehow now he's connected to that missing woman's death too? When he was forcing himself to look up, Mitch saw everyone in the room staring at him. They were waiting for something. It took him a minute to realize they were waiting for a confession. The only thing I'm guilty of is trying to help a friend pull a stupid stunt to try to save his marriage. That is all. The rest of this is crazy. I just know you're talking about, you're talking about the wrong man, the wrong thing. This is all a mistake. You really need to start looking for the right people. Even as he was saying the words, he knew he just wasn't getting through. I'm going to give you a few minutes with your attorney, Mitch. 
Maybe he can explain how this is going to go for you. With that said, the room emptied in silence. Mitch and Luke were, Luke were alone again. This is heavy, Mitch. They have a solid case already. Without even processing the scenes yet. How could this all have happened without you knowing anything? Is there anything you can give me to point this, the focus away from you? Bridget is involved. She seems to be the only one who can straighten all this out. And they believe all her lies. I just can't figure it out. Why would she do this to me? Mitch had to fight back the sadness and the despair. Chapter 24 Bridget had figured the guy had either lost her card or his nerve. Leaving her card had sort of been a test. Later, she had thought about the idea of an affair, something new. Not that there was anything wrong with Mitch or her marriage. Could she actually have gone through with it? Was it worth the risk? Mitch would be devastated. She had told herself if the stranger did call, she would at least, at the very least, have to consider the idea. And if he didn't, well, then she was happily married after all. Just ask anyone that knew the couple. Men had always paid her a little extra attention, and she was used to it. Her mother had taught her at a very young age about boys and men. She had listened and learned. Until the man in the bar, she had never really even thought about, not even for a second, about cheating on Mitch. He was a good man. Not just that, he was a good man who treated her special. But there was something about the stranger, a confidence, a way about him that intrigued her. For the first week after the incident, she thought about it often, to the point it annoyed her that she could not get it out of her head at times. Then it subsided, and she even felt guilty about the whole thing, just not guilty enough to talk to her husband about it. It was three weeks later, after their first encounter, that Henry called her on her cell phone. Bridget had been showing a home and had walked outside so the potential buyers could discuss the pros and cons of the property. She had not recognized the number that appeared on her display, but that was not unusual in real estate. Can you talk? Almost sent Bridget to the hospital with a heart attack and never crossed her mind he would call after all this time, but she recognized his voice right away, deep and soft. After she did not answer, she was still trying to compose herself. He laughed. I'm the man who asked you to marry me. Well, probably one of many. I'm the one from Shannon's, Drake stated. She regained herself and decided she had to say something. Is a month the standard waiting time before you call a married woman and propose to these days? Well, as some things become clearer and others more complicated, I think this is a good place to stop this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, thank you for listening and have a great day.